We want to welcome you today to the Blessing from the Valley podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Brandon. Join Pastor Brandon as he takes a new look at the old book, the Bible. So very thankful that you have joined us today for this episode of The Blessing from the Valley. This is your host, Pastor Mark Brandon, and uh, what a joy it is to be able to come to you by the means of this podcast, and uh, we are praying that God will use it uh, in the lives of people, so we again are very grateful that you tune in. If uh, you think it is a blessing, been helpful to you, why don't you get the word out, share it, let people know about it. And uh, that would be a great blessing. Thank God we have these uh, resources today uh, that can encourage us throughout the way. I try to keep these podcasts 10 to 12 minutes uh, somewhere in there. And uh, just to be a little uh, shot in the arm on a Tuesday and a Thursday of each week. So thank you for tuning in. And we're going to continue our thought today on just looking out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 really is our thought. And here's the subject we're dealing with. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, we've already spent two episodes on just looking at this principle, and as I've said, this principle uh, has been so over, so uh, abused and not used properly, and so we're trying to help you with that today and how to help someone else and how for us to realize the context of this passage. So we started by looking at judge not that you be not judged in context, and we were we were going to start in this segment of what it is not, and we've been dealing with that these last two, and then I'm going to I'm going to deal with one other area that judge not what it is not. Okay, so we looked at um, that it's not we have to judge when it comes to doctrine. We must judge. You know, when you think about a jury duty, you are called upon to make a judgment about a matter. Well, we're making. We're called upon to make a judgment about every matter of life. And, of course, the most important matter in life is truth, error, right or wrong, good or evil. Um, So we have to make judgment calls. We must judge. So we understand that God's telling us not to judge. That's not what this passage is about. We're going to look at it, but we must deal with what it is not. So we understand it's not talking about we, we have to judge doctrine. And then, secondly, I've dealt with this. We have to judge every Christian, every preacher, every teacher, and what they say. Uh, truth. Uh, we must understand that the Bible is our sole authority uh, for faith and practice and for life. So we have to judge. Now, a third area uh, that we must judge is the Bible talks about church discipline. Now, it's not wrong for the church to, when necessary, to exercise the very biblical practice of church discipline. Now, We don't see it happening much these days. It's not talked about much, but it's no less God's way within the body of the church. So let me let me just caution and and make a statement here. We are not to judge motives, but rather conduct. Now I want you to think about that. One is inward and the other is outward. Let me give you a little illustration of that when it comes to judging and, and, and dealing with a matter as far as church discipline. You know, if a policeman pulls me over for speeding, you know, I could look at that policeman and say, look, don't judge me, officer. You don't know my heart. You don't understand what I'm going through today. And here's what that policeman is going to look at me and say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not judging your motives. I'm judging your conduct. (laughs) I was speeding. So that's concrete. It's not abstract. It's objective, not subjective. So 
Think about this. Church membership must be taken seriously and not entered into lightly. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's an example there. An outward grievous sin is publicized, and it will damage the church if they don't stand against it. Now, they are told to remove the person, and if he won't repent, then Paul says in verse 3, he says he's already judged the matter. So here's the point. The point is church discipline is almost unheard of today because it's being drowned out by the screams of judge not. So it's not necessarily always wrong to make judgments. We have to on a daily basis. You make judgments. You make judgment calls on people's conduct all of the time. As a parent, you're going to have to be wise and make judgment calls with your children. You know, I tell my wife, we talk about things all the time, and I tell her, I say, you know, it's one thing when someone is doing something and it's out of ignorance, but it's a whole other story when someone's doing something on purpose. You know, it's one thing if someone does something out of ignorance because then that issue will be cleared up once someone is aware of the truth or what needs to be done there. It's a whole different ball game when someone is doing something and they already know the truth. They already know what the Bible teaches. And so we must make judgment calls. We must judge. We must scrutinize things. Why? Because it has an effect on our lives. It has effect on our futures. It has an effect on our families' lives. So we understand what judging is not. But then let's, excuse me, look at what, then what does judge not mean? The context gives it away here. In verse 3, we find the Bible says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? So here, here it is. This is an unjust, critical attitude of hypocrisy. That is what he's speaking of here, that we should not be judging in that type of an attitude or in a place of hypocrisy. See, self-righteousness leads to fault-finding. Self-righteousness leads to fault-finding, and a hypercritical attitude will manifest itself in derogatory and condemning manner. It always has. It always will. These are they on permanent jury duty, approaching all of life's expecting to find fault. And this is what he's guarding against here. By the way, do I know Christians that live this way? Sure. Have I ever lived this way? Sure. But the Lord is commanding us here in this passage of Scripture that we need to guard against this attitude. In other words, it's usually these that are underachievers. And I I hate to say this, but I have found this to be true. People that are underachievers, they haven't done much with their lives. They haven't climbed to any great heights. And so they perceive their own self-worth by tearing others down. They're not going to climb. They're not going to take the effort. They're not going to take the chance. They're not going to, you know, be motivated and get after things. And so what they do is they tear others down to a level lower than what they are. Suddenly, here's what happens. They don't feel so bad about it themselves anymore. Not because of achievement, but because they have made in their mind, they've made everyone else of none effect, or they've tried to lower them down to make themselves better. Now, look, this is sad. But it's true. It sounds rough, but it happens all of the time. And the Lord in this passage is trying to get people to understand, look, don't take this attitude. Don't try to make yourself look better or to even ignore what you've got going on so you can tear things down. You know, it's the same principle. 
I've noticed most people never compare themselves to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if we're going to compare ourselves as a Christian, you know, we try to we try to compare ourselves to someone that we might think in our minds or in our hearts that's not quite, you know, the best example. And that's the way we do it. But God is telling us not to have this attitude. In other words, it's someone that's always saying this. Some, something's wrong in this church, and I'm going to find out what it is. I'm going to find out what it is if it kills me. Well, in most churches, you're not going to have to look long. You're not going to have to search hard. Why? Because I don't know of any perfect church. The church is made up of people. Praise God, I'm glad the founder is perfect. But this self-appointed, you know, this self-appointed pastor police, th this is what he's encouraging and commanding us not to be. You know, I tell our people all the time, look, I want to know less about people. I know enough, and I have so many things myself to deal with. It's a full-time job for me to be examining my own life, much less going out here trying to find fault in everybody else. That is what he is speaking of here when he says, judge not that you be not judged. So we understand there's nothing so unbecoming of a child of God or a Christian than a critical, judgmental, negative spirit. They're always looking for something that's wrong. Look, you might have a manager that way. You know, um, I've thought about this many times. Um, you know, really, you're if you're in a place of leadership, I've tried to think about that many times. You know, I, I don't want people to have to put up with me. I don't want them just to do things for me because they have to. I want to kind of lead in a way that they would want to. And, you know, trying to find something wrong all the way, being judgmental, always having a ne negative spirit, it's not a good way to, le to lead. It's not a good way to live. And, and there's nothing so unbecoming of a Christian that they're constantly just trying to find something. Well, I know there's something here. We're going to find out what it is. What a, what a life of bondage to live that way. And that's what God is trying to encourage here and command for us not to have this kind of an attitude. You know, look, I'm going to find out all of these motes in people's eye. No, he's saying, no, you need to be self-examining. You need to be worried about what you got going on. And so something's wrong in the heart of a Christian if they're always wanting to be critical, judgmental, and of a negative spirit. God help us and deliver us from this. Now, there's three reasons why I believe a negative spirit is wrong. Number one, 99% of the time when we try to judge the heart and motives of another, we do not know all the facts. And again, God sees the heart. We don't. And then, you know, I've heard someone say, well, I've heard all I need to hear. Or you'll hear them say, you know, I've heard all I need to hear. Or there's no further look into this other side of the situation, you know, uh, because it would risk them not being able to judge negatively. So we have to be careful about this and our negative spirit. Number two, we are fallible in our judgment. You know, when we attempt to judge in the way God reserves only for himself, this inward judgment, we are likely to be wrong. And so it doesn't take any brains to criticize. Any old buzzer can find a carcass, right? So don't put yourself in the place of God. We need to be careful having a negative spirit. And then the last one is just simply this. This negative spirit is wrong because destructive criticism has a way of coming back to you. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but this is the thought for today. Let's guard against having this critical spirit. And now we're looking at what does this passage mean? Judge not that you be not judged. And we're going to continue to look at that through the next episodes. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
thank you for listening today. Our prayer is that this episode was a great encouragement to you, and we invite you to join us again next time for the blessing from the valley.